I decided to start this podcast in February this year. I honestly had no idea what the reaction would be or even if I was going to get any listeners at all. Luckily, thanks to, I suppose, the awesome guests that we've had on this show, as well as the passion of the Web3 community in general, the reaction so far has been awesome. So thank you. Thank you for tuning in. I've had a few people DM me on Twitter asking how they can get started in Web3 and specifically whether they can freelance in Web3. So this is what this episode is all about. Specifically, my guest talks about freelancing for DAOs. So if you're not sure what a DAO is, I really recommend you start by listening to episode five of series one. It's an episode with Nelson Jordan and he does an incredible job explaining exactly what a DAO is. If you are familiar and you wanna find out how to start freelancing for DAOs, stay tuned. I'm joined today by Dapper Dan. Dan is a technical freelance writer at Developer DAO, a DAO focused on onboarding the next generation of engineers and developers into Web3. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm not sure I fit all those descriptions, the lovely descriptions you just made, but <laughs> maybe thought leader? Maybe I can thought pretend leader. to be that for the podcast. Yeah, thought leader, man of the people. That sounds good to me. Um, we always start this pod by asking for a bit of an introduction on your background. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your professional background and how you first got into Web3. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so my background is in as an engineer before I was working on uh, mainly kind of integrations in the world of fintech. So that's kind of, you know, where I first got my introductions into the world of crypto. Mainly I was working on like kind of the old dusty payment systems uh, that we're trying to replace in the, in the world of Web3. And yeah, at first, because it was kind of standoffish to Web3, or actually just the world of crypto, I thought this was people were just trying to get rich. They were for finance people or quant people who understood the interworkings of the economy or dreamers of uh, a world where, uh, yeah, kind of a utopian world of non-government control. And I didn't feel like I fit any of those categories fully, at least. Uh, but uh, I got introduced to developer DAO and also there's the world of kind of what I think Web3 is, is building on um, blockchain and specifically smart contracts. And that just really brought me into, oh, wow, you can actually do some incredible things with this technology. And ever since, I've just been completely interested into what uh, different use cases and projects that uh, have been made. And also, you know, my goals of sort of expanding the education in the space, being able to be a freelance technical writer and working on some of these projects has just been an absolutely amazing experience so far. Yeah, I think the whole get rich quick scheme element that you initially found off-putting will probably resonate with a lot of our listeners who are newer into the space. Okay, a question for you then, just to set the scene. Could you define what technical writing actually is for those of us that perhaps aren't familiar? Yeah, so um, that's a good question. So it, I guess the tangibles or deliverables, it comes in different flavors uh, depending on who you ask. Uh, so for me, primarily, uh, I work on a few different types of projects. One is kind of content writing or more like how-tos or explainers of different Web3 concepts. Uh, whether that is how the Ethereum virtual network, for, for instance, works or what oracles are. Um, but then there's, this, I guess, the more hard uh, science of technical writing, which is documentation. So, you know, if you're a developer and you see a new project or protocol that you want to integrate or develop on, uh, you'll probably the first stop is going to the documentation pages. Uh, and then with that, uh, you know, you will 
need to sort of guide the developer and both to understanding the value and the purpose of what they're doing, but actually how to integrate and do it technically. Uh, so I work on those types of projects and lately also uh, in the video space. So doing kind of tutorials and guides there uh, because that's been a great way for onboarding new developers. So why is there such a need for good writing in, in Web3, do you think? Why do Web3 companies need to invest in, in good technical writing? Well, yeah, I think there's uh, two kind of holes that great technical writing fills. One is you, know, you have um, a category of developers that are interested in Web3. So they are already actively working on projects either for their interest or for working or whatever they're doing professionally. And for those people, they need to, when they get introduced to a new tool or new service, need to understand how to sort of the larger context of how it works and also get up and running rather quickly. But lately also, there's a big, another hole or another audience, which is Web2 developers that are kind of Web3 curious. Uh, so they will probably, you know, maybe try a tutorial out, maybe go to maybe developer DAO or something. And they see all these names of products, Alchemy, Infra, all these things and don't really know what they do. So they hit the website. You know, sad news is sometimes they hit the website and they get these, you know, copy of writing that it's really hard to explain. You know, it's filled with buzzwords that other people would understand if you're already in this space. And, you know, it really, you know, again, if you're trying to grow the developer market, which I think is critical for Web3 at the moment, you don't want to lose those people, those people that are curious, they have the skills to build, but then they, you know, hit your website or they hit your documentation and it's like, uh, they need a whole entire glossary that unfortunately you probably don't provide on your site. So that's a big push for those, that audience. And I think that's where, I think, you know, if you're interested in technical writing or in just writing in general, that's where I think the biggest gains are going to be for us as a community. And then how can you get started for writing in Web3? So I know you write predominantly for, for DAOs, as we mentioned at the beginning, for developer DAO. How can, you know, someone who perhaps has either Web2 writing experience and wants to learn about technical writing or someone that's an existing technical writer, and as you say, wants to dip their, dip their toe into Web3, where can they find technical writing work in Web3? Yeah, I get DM this question almost daily. So maybe if we can make this a small clip, I can just uh, send this as a link later on. Um, <laughs> That's good. Uh, yeah, so it's it's funny what I got, how I got into writing actually. And um, shout out to Hashnode, uh, they had a technical writing boot camp they used to to do. Um, basically, just sort of a, a series of like a con small conference. And one of the mentions was uh, like how much of a need for technical writing there is in Web3. Uh, and the, I forget, I'm sorry, I think maybe it was Sam, I'm not sure. Someone who was on there mentioned like they just literally made a guide of like the great articles in for Web3 and they were constantly approached by companies to write for them. So they, they didn't actually make any original material. It was just like links. Here's some great articles. And uh, it just, they get their name got associated with writing, technical writing in Web3. And it, it's, it's a great point to illustrate uh, because for me and for I think almost anyone that I know, the best way to get into technical writing, especially in Web3, is actually just to start writing. Uh, because there are many companies that will, if you have something published on the internet, whether it's a Hashnode blog, your own personal blog, Mirror, shout out to Mirror as well, um, that you know does a great job of explaining a hard technical concept in a way that most people can understand, you will get approached. It's 
almost inevitable. And if you're, if you're a native speaker, that's a major plus. If you have experience in writing in other spaces in like Web2, that's a major plus. Uh, but really, honestly, the simple tip, even though it sounds so cliche, is to just start writing. Don't be afraid of the quality or you know how many hits or page views I'm going to get because you only need one page view and that's some, someone who's going to hire you. And if you are on Twitter actively or in the DAO actively, go ahead and share your material. Lots of DAOs now um, have uh, channels where it's, you know, shield your own content or shared learning resources. So just go in there. You literally just made a learning resource and it's your own. And uh, that's really how I got started. It was really, you know, I would write something explaining different layers of a blockchain and then I would just share it in all the DAOs that I was a part of. And there are, you know, channels where it's designated. So like, don't be, you know, super spammy and send it anywhere or like, at everyone in the general or something. But yeah, in places that, you know, it's encouraged to share it. And yeah, people will see it and the right people will see it who are looking for um, writers. And yeah, and I'm happy if you're an aspiring writer and you you know want me to proofread something or look over something or share it, ping me on Twitter. I'm at DapperDanDev. I'm happy to chat with you. Awesome. And do you think there's any need for slightly burned out podcasters on these DAOs? I'm just asking for a friend. No, I haven't. <laughs> I mean, the, the recruitment for that is, uh, you know, the pool is so high. Uh, <laughs> the talent pool, like, yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> I wouldn't have a chance. No, that makes a lot of sense. So, Dan, if I can ask you a, a somewhat personal question, I think a lot of our listeners who have perhaps listened to a couple of the earlier episodes we've had on this podcast on what DAOs are, how they run, and who are looking to get involved will be wondering how compensation typically works for this kind of technical writing. Is it viable at the moment to go full-time in the technical writing space, You know, whether that's writing for one DAO and, and being compensated for it in some way, writing for multiple DAOs? You know, is it viable to make a full-time career of it at this point in Web3? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I guess it depends on... The country you live in. Um, so I see a lot of technical writers uh, from yeah developing world. And I think one recommendation, there's a lot of um, different DAOs that might have bounties for writing. And those typically run, let's say I've seen from 500 USDC or US dollars to 1,000 uh, for the, the winners of that bounty. So, you know, if you are in a developing country and let's say you, you win these bounties or essentially contests, then you know, you're you you're making a thousand an article, uh, which could be quite a uh, living uh, depending on the country you live in. And um, for me, I mean, I do this as a sort of a freelance thing. And I mean, I write with DAOs, but also companies uh, and protocols and products. So that is a livable wage. Um, so you probably need to kind of expand and diversify. You definitely don't want to rely on one source of income. But yeah, I think it's it's, it's definitely at a certain point where yeah, you, someone can make a, a full-time living at this, even in the, you know, Western developed country. And yeah, uh, like I said, the need is so high uh, that there's, you know, a bit of a premium that you can probably add to if you compare yourself to someone that's, you know, in Web2 just writing on uh, APIs or, you know, AWS or something. There's a bit of a Web3 premium in that way, especially once you get your portfolio going and you have, you know, clients or DAOs that you've worked with. So, you know, it's always, it's, you know, only on the up uh, for now. I mean, maybe one day <laughs> thing, the world will come crashing down and someone will play this and laugh. But at the moment, yeah, it's a, it's a great profitable uh, path. And you basically, you know, everything's so new here uh, in Web3, you're basically getting paid to learn. Like most, I think my clients have an expectation that, you know, I have some experience and I can find the information, but 
I don't think anyone would expect a technical writer to be an expert in all things Web3. Uh, so again, that's another probably like chilling thing people uh, are afraid of. Like, oh, well, I don't know how uh, you know, exactly the NFTs work on Solana. So, you know, we'll never get to write uh, about Solana. But yeah, you know, you could probably still get a client that would be interested in you writing on that. And, you know, if you research methods and you can find and decipher information quickly, which is, I think, the biggest skill for a technical writer, uh, you will get paid. You will get clients. So. I guess my, my, another question I have for you is how you can attract greater talent to this space. We, you mentioned during the prep call that there are a few fantastic technical writers and there are increasingly people looking to explore this space. But how can Web3 as a community bring in better technical writers or more kind of high profile technical writers, do you think? How can we incentivize that to happen? I mean, I'm doing my best on a personal level. Uh, you know, like <laughs> I follow I mean, you on Twitter and I can definitely say you are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to me, it's like, I mean, it's not a zero sum here in Web3. Uh, you know, what we all going to make it is a, a real, real reality, I think. And I think also when people get into, like for me and this is my audience, it's like, you know, Web3 builders and technical people and engineers primarily when they look at the, okay, I want to, you know, transition to web three. The first thing they look at, I think is like, Oh, I'll be a smart contract engineer or a blockchain engineer. And in reality, that's, I mean, those jobs are plentiful and also high paying and also, you know, a rarity for you to have the skills of doing that very at the very beginning of your web three journey. So I've been really pushing uh, people and cheering on people to get into either technical writing or, you know, developer relations, because one, that's a great way to learn the space quickly, get paid to learn this space. And also, you know, if you were later want to transition into something like an engineer, working on smart contracts or blockchain, you would probably already work with these companies that are hiring that. So yeah, I think, you know, if you have the skills to if you think you have the skills, at least, <laughs> to become a smart contracts engineer, you probably have the skills to understand the technology in a way. And it's just kind of, you know, cleaning up your communication and uh, being able to write, which is a art or a craft that you can improve over time. So I'm a huge believer that anyone can sort of do this if they, you know, set their mind to it, if I want to be too, too uh, cheesy. No, not at all. And what do you see as the future both of writing in web3 technical writing in web3 but also the future of web3 as a whole yeah i mean i think technical writing will continue to grow i think this is a like i said a space where most if there i'll be honest so like if there isn't a technical writer on the team or on the product it's normally up to the engineers to do uh, one, do they any of the technical documentation and perhaps also do, you know, technical content like, oh, hey, engineer, could you write us a blog post about what you just made? And there's normally a bit of a resilience or friction because of that. Like, I mean, one, no one wants to do documentation. That's not really the fun thing, a part of, of being a developer. And even the technical writing, like content side is, um, you know, takes time. And, uh, you know, if you don't exercise your writing muscles in a while, it's, also annoying for it sometimes so i think there will forever be a sort of a space for people that actually enjoy doing it and as i think products get more and more users and onboard more developers it's going to be even more important to make those processes of um you know actually being a developer or using the service or integrating the product in some way 
easier. Um, so I think that's that's going to be a, a growth space for a very long time, at least. I mean, Web2 still has technical writers, right? So it's not like there's anything that's going to like change that. And I think, you know, as products and protocols mature, it's only going to be more of a need. I've seen this already for some companies I work with. They've already started to build out their content teams uh, because everyone's trying to get developer eyeballs on, on their protocol and get interesting projects. Uh, that have been developed on their protocols so that you know the, the protocol can grow and it's all down to documentation how easy it is to get people up running and content like how do you get people funneled to your site and understand the product and value and so that's my idea for writing a web3 uh, web3 in general i think is very similar we already see a lot of the l2 solutions out there make developing on blockchain specifically ethereum but also Solana, which doesn't really necessarily need the L2s, uh, much easier, much cheaper. And that's only going to open people more up to be able to build projects either themselves or with companies, which I think is great because that's, you know, we're very, at the very, very starting point, I think, for actual development, if you compare us to Web2. And I had, there was this one tweet I saw today. I forget what it was. It was something like, it basically was like, oh, you know, Web2 doesn't have, protocols and web3 is all about protocols like that's all we say it's protocol protocol everything's a protocol but i mean that's just not true web2 is full of protocols you just don't think about them like when you go to a website you're not like oh damn i love that http protocol (laughs) it's killing it but you might do that now with oh yeah you know i have to do you know you know sushi swap or you know something like this but it's very very beginnings of that where you know back in the day yeah you had to even you might be type you know, very at the beginnings. You had to type out a whole IP address. You didn't have DNS and all these things, right? So we're like, we're really at the foundational stuff for that. And yeah, a lot of it's developer focused because you want to make sure that these are all going to be developed in the correct way and not, you know, again providing the value for the creators and not the just the platforms. So yeah, yeah, it's only going to go up. I think. I mean, for me, it's like. If it's not going to go up, I don't know when it's going to stop. <laughs> you know, like I, I hear a lot of the critics and detractors, but it's like, when do you think that you're going to be right? Like, do you think people are just going to like pack up and <laughs> go home? Like, yeah, it might be crashes, there might be waves, things like this, but it's inevitable. Yeah, I, I, I'm increasingly looking at skepticism of Web three as almost now like denialism. It's almost like it's happening. You know, it's clearly happening. There are so many smart people in the space. There are so many innovations in the space. And importantly, you know, decentralization allows you to do certain things that are, that wouldn't be possible with, you know, without a blockchain, essentially. So, yeah, I'm fully in agreement with you there. I mean, for me also, like even for the skeptics, I was listening to another podcast. I won't give them free advertising on your podcast. Uh, but it was interviewing a script, a crypto skeptic and yeah, it was like, you know, it was crazy how many people are losing money and getting scammed. And that was kind of one of their points to why, uh, this would never, will never grow to see its you know full potential. And I just think that's ridiculous. I mean, you know, email is people are constantly, even today getting scammed by, you know, Nigerian princess, but no one's going to say, you know, email, it's not going to make it, you know, it's not going to make it. It's just like, yeah, that's, these are these side effects that, I mean, yeah, people started building better spam filters and, you know, I don't get any more of those crap emails in my Gmail. It goes straight to spam. Uh, and these things will uh, naturally get developed uh, through in Web3 and it's only 
helpful if you you know invest the time and help those people who are interested in doing that. But it's not like there's never going to be a day where it's just like, well, we tried, wrap it up. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And your your Nigerian prince um, analogy there made me laugh. We we had someone on the on the podcast, uh, Murat. A Nigerian Agnelli. prince, you had. Uh, we had a yeah, we've got a Nigerian prince. He had a great I don't financial this podcast anymore. <laughs> he had a great financial offer actually. That I uh, yeah, yeah. An exclusive financial offer for our listeners. No, um, we had a uh, Murat Akdenes of Block Native on this platform a few weeks ago, and he was making the point that a lot of the skepticism around crypto, you know, one of the criticisms that you have is, or at least an early criticism of Bitcoin was, oh, it's you know, why would you need a you know a, a pseudonymous currency? You know, surely people, you know, the only the only use for it is either kind of pump and dump or to buy drugs and guns and all these, you know, illicit substances. But he made the point that people are already doing that with fiat. You know, it's not about the mechanism. It's not about what um, this kind of technology facilitates. It's about how people choose to use it. And I mm. think that's a really key takeaway. Um I appreciate, Dan, we're, we're, we're coming to time now. So I just want to ask, what resources have had an impact on you, either in your personal life that you, you found very informative or in the journey to Web3? Maybe one of each could be good. Yeah. Um, well, I guess the journey to Web3 is the best start. Yeah. Because I'm, 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 as I continue to learn in writing, constantly looking for more and more resources and uh, you know, this is not a, a shill for yourself, but a uh, shout out to the podcasters of this space. Uh, I think there's some great conversations, especially from the actual creators of, uh, yeah, actually creators of these protocols that we use and products, which uh, is super nice to hear from, you know, the, the firsthand source of both what they're doing, why they're doing it and the end goals, because that's super inspirational for anyone like myself. So I, yeah, go out there. I mean, you know, maybe we'll put this in the show notes, some other podcast uh, of the ones that I listen to. So that's been super inspirational, I guess, and um, guiding uh, for me in the Web3 journey. And yeah, podcasts are great because you can listen to them doing other things, which probably your audience is <laughs> going to be doing as well. Uh, I mean, for me, for general life, that's a big question. Uh, I guess from a work perspective, maybe I'm too dry. But uh, I'm a big fan of learning uh, like product productivity and note taking. Um, and that's really helped me be successful in this space. Uh, being able to, again, like find research and uh, recreate rather quickly in an efficient uh, manner. And, it, and that also is nice because then I have more time to do other things. So uh, I would give everyone a good encouragement a good push if you feel like you are stuck learning because i think most everyone here is learning in web3 at the moment like take some time to actually invest in a good like note-taking practice uh, and find the right tools it might take you you know four weeks six weeks to get comfortable with like a workflow uh, but once you're there like the gains and the returns of a good note-taking workflow is incredible uh, for both recalling information and also uh, being able to distribute that information out, either you writing or just you sharing it with other people, which, you know, when you go to all the parties and you're like, yeah, I'm into crypto, like, and people are skeptical, then you can like share all the links that you have saved on your, your link sharing and stuff like that. So I think that's a good uh, 
another like kind of guiding thing for me, I guess. That's awesome. And then Dan, if people want to get hold of you to ask any questions on anything that you've um, spoken about today, what's the best platform to reach out on? Yeah, definitely Twitter. I'm at DappaDanDev. Um, you can probably find my work, Hashnode or um, Medium. I think I have some things still lingering around, but that's probably the best. I am on Discord. So if you're in developer DAO, just hit me up there as well. Awesome. Dan, thank you. That was That was an awesome conversation. Really appreciate the time. Thank you for having me. Thanks to Dan for that much needed TLDR into freelancing at DAOs and to you, the listener, for tuning in. To check out the show notes, see upcoming guests or listen to other episodes, you can check out the web3podcast.xyz. I still don't know how I got that domain name. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Callum Wooders. That's Callum with two L's. And if you have any requests for future episodes or if you just want to complain about the bear market, it's always good to hear from you. This has been the Web3 Podcast. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.